Ezra 7.10, Ezra 7.10 says, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, and then to do it, and then to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. As a preacher, I'm mindful of the order in that verse. It's a great uh, list of priorities for a preacher. The first priority for a preacher, Ezra was a prophet in the Old Testament, the first priority, though, is to study the law of the Lord. That's my job. That's what I do every week. You know, some people ask pastors, what do you do all week? You just get up, you know, on Sundays and uh, preach for an hour and then, I don't know, go to Disneyland all week? No, a big part of my job is studying the Word of God. So that's the first priority. And then second, what comes after study? To do it. To apply it in our own lives. And so that is the, man, that's the glory of being a preacher. And it's also the difficulty. The glory and the joy of being a preacher is that every week I'm sitting under the Word of God and and my life is being impacted by it. And so when I come and preach a 45-minute message on a Sunday... Just know I've been stewing on this thing all week, and so it has been affecting my heart and my life. And then after the preacher applies it to his own life, he does what? He teaches it to others. You know, um, they say if you want to preach a convicting message as a preacher, if you want to preach a message that really convicts Christians, there are two topics to preach about, okay? Okay. The first topic that convicts Christians all the time is a sermon on evangelism. Because Christians just feel like, I just do not evangelize the way that I ought to. I don't share the gospel enough. And so that's a convicting sermon to hear, right? The second topic that convicts Christians is the topic that we're going to talk about today. It's the topic of prayer. Prayer. If you ask a normal Christian, you know, what, what are, how, how's your prayer life, maybe? Most often, Christians will say, I just don't pray the way that I know I ought to. I don't pray as often as I ought to, and I could grow in that area of my life. And so, bring today a convicting topic. It's just where we land in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, if you're not there already... Go to Ephesians 6. We're going to look at verses 18 to 20. The secret weapon. The secret weapon of our armor. We're still in this section talking about spiritual warfare. And Paul spends time to talk about the necessity and importance of prayer. So with Ezra 7.10 in mind, I just know I've felt this conviction all week. I feel myself as a preacher even. I don't pray the way that I ought to. And so I ask you today, as I've been stewing on this question in my own life, I ask you, how is your prayer life? Do you pray? Not just before meals, or not just before bedtime with the kids, but do you pray like your life depends on it? Do you pray regularly? Do you pray persistently or in, with perseverance? I'm sure that if I were to ask you each individually, we could all say, oh, we can grow in this area, couldn't we? And so we have great, great principles here in this passage to help us in our prayer lives. Prayerfully alert is the title of my message. 
Prayer is significant in being prepared for spiritual warfare. This isn't just, you know, an addendum or an addition to Paul's conversation on spiritual warfare. Prayer is necessary in war. Spiritual war, that is. So let's look at the passage, Ephesians 6, verses 18 to 20. The Word of God says this, Praying at all times. In the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let me... Go to the Lord in prayer before we continue. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word from you. This exhortation to be praying at all times, to be alert in our prayer lives. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would would work through your word to actually not just convict us, not just make us feel guilty about how how unoften or, or not often we pray, but Lord, help us to apply this in our lives and grow in the area of prayer. Lord, a means by which we receive your grace, a means of empowerment in the Christian life to help us stay alert and also to keep us missionally minded. Lord, help us to pray like our lives depend on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so on your outline, point number one, pray to be spiritually alert. Pray to be spiritually alert. We have two participles in this passage. You'll see them in verse 18. Praying and then keeping alert. Praying and keeping alert. Participles are helpful if you look at the Greek or the grammar in a, in a long sentence because they connect you to the previous command. So this is still within the section of spiritual warfare. We're still talking about being ready to stand in our big battles, our our fight of faith. And so we think about taking the armor of God in order to stand, and prayer is a means by which we do that. It's often that the participles further explain what it means to practically fulfill the command. In other words, we ought to take up the armor of God prayerfully and alertly. Prayerfully and alertly. Now we know staying alert is important, especially in warfare. An aloof soldier, an absent-minded soldier, is a liability, isn't he, on the battlefield? He's not only a liability or a danger to himself, but he's a danger to the other soldiers around him. If he's not paying attention, if he's not alert, it only takes one soldier who falls asleep at his post to compromise the entire team. Or the entire mission. I I read an interesting article. Soldiers were sharing their tips and tricks for how they stay awake during the night shift. You know, some of them just had energy drinks. You know, Red Bull, Monsters, whatever on hand. Others would chew on coffee grounds to stay awake during the night. That doesn't sound very good, does it? Others would rub uh, Tabasco sauce underneath their eyes. They called it spicy eyes. And that would 
keep them open and awake. So, of course, they're tearing, so they can't see through their eyes, but at least they're awake. Interesting approach to staying alert. And the idea is whatever it takes, whatever it takes to stay alert, on high alert, because we can't afford to fall asleep. It leaves the squad or the other soldiers massively vulnerable to attack. And the same is true in our spiritual lives. It's important for us to stay alert, to not become lazy in our walk with the Lord, to not become aloof, especially when we're in a fight of faith. The scriptures speak of the necessity for the Christian to be alert in spiritual battle. I have a list of verses here. 1 Peter 1.13 says, therefore, preparing your minds for action. Luke 12, 35, the Lord says this, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. First Thessalonians 5, 6 says, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. We need to be alert in our Christian walk. And what's interesting if you go through the scriptures is that there is a strong correlation between prayerfulness and alertness. We see this correlation elsewhere in the scriptures. We see it in our passage, okay, Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, and then to that end, keep alert. Colossians 4.2 says, it's a parallel passage, it says something similar. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it. The Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 21, verses 34 to 36, he's talking to his disciples. He says this, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day, the day of the Lord, come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But look at this, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. You remember the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's you know, praying fervently, Lord, may this cup pass from me. He's anticipating his crucifixion and really not just the physical side of the crucifixion, but the spiritual burden that he would bear for the sins of mankind or the sins of those who would believe he comes back to his disciples and what does he find them doing they're asleep they're sleeping and the lord says this watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation so the discipline of prayer and being spiritually alert go hand in hand prayer is like radar it's a perpetual scan that warns us of coming temptation or coming attack but it's more than radar it's not just gives you awareness but it prepares you to fight because the very act of prayer draws from the everlasting resources of god prayer is often if not always the means by which the whole armor of God is applied in our life. In prayer, we draw on the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
See, in prayer, we're mindful of our mission to stand. In prayer, we're aware of our enemy, the evil one, and his spiritual forces. In prayer, we apply God's truth, his righteousness, his peace, faith, salvation, and his word, the whole armor. Prayer is necessary to apply the armor of God and stand. See, without prayer, how can we expect to stand? Without prayer, how can you expect to discern the attacks of the enemy? Without prayer, how can you expect to stay alert, to be on watch, to defend yourself against surprise attack? Without prayer, how can you expect to live the Christian life the way that Christ expects you to? But to stand watch and pray. Dr. Uh, Jim Boyce, James Montgomery Boyce, writes this. I wonder if this is characteristic of your life. He says this, Many Christians can trace the secret of a defeated life to prayerlessness. So, Morgan, what does it look like to be prayerfully alert? What do those prayers look like? Let's just get really practical. Here is a prayerfully alert prayer. (laughs) Lord, scan my heart and my life. Reveal to me the ways that I am weak and susceptible to attack. Lord, today in front of me I have this difficult decision to make. I have that difficult conversation. These difficult tasks. Please grant me the wisdom that comes from your word to make the right decision. Please grant me the words to speak that are filled with truth and love for that conversation. Please grant me a sincere heart to work hard as unto the Lord and not to men. Be prayerfully alert for your day, the coming decisions, tasks, and conversations. Here's another prayerfully alert prayer. God, you know my trials. You know the troubles in my life, my fears. Please grant me the endurance to stand, to persevere, and believe your promises. Give me the awareness to perceive the spiritual attacks and to stand against doubt, to stand against despair, and to stand against sinful temptation. How about this simple prayer that the Lord prescribes in the Lord's Prayer? Lead me not into temptation. That is being spiritually alert, being prepared. Not to be reactive when the attack comes, but to be proactive in prayer. Christian, the more prayerful you are, the more your life is saturated with prayer, the more spiritually alert you'll be and prepared to fight temptations and to stand against spiritual attack. So we want to be Christians that are prayerfully alert. Prayerfully alert. How can we do that? Well, this passage has principles that can be applied in our life so that we would stay prayerfully alert. Four ways. How can we be, the second point, how can we be prayerfully alert or spiritually alert? Four ways. Four ways that we see in this text and others. Number one, or A, pray at all times. Pray at all times. Look at these passages. We cannot get around them. First of all, our text, the first phrase, praying at all times. 
1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing, without stopping. Luke 18.1, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. What does this mean to pray without ceasing? To not stop praying? Is it just like an ongoing conversation with God? You might picture it this way. You know, you're on the phone with the Lord. You say, hang on, Lord, but I'm not going to hang up. And you put the phone down and deal with your task. And you come up and pick up the line again. Is that, is that what it, this means? And you might be thinking, Morgan, how can I pray and yet fulfill the other responsibilities in my life? Like, I can't be having a conversation with God and a conversation with my wife. Or I can't be praying during a difficult or a, a task at work that I really need to focus on. Or I can't be praying and then homeschooling my kids at the same time or discipling my children. It seems as though we might need to stop praying at times, right? To fulfill other responsibilities in life. We see the Apostle Paul do this. We don't see him in a constant state of prayer. He's actually accomplishing tasks, having conversations with people, and doing things. So what does it mean to pray at all times? To pray without, season, or to pray without ceasing? Write this down. This is how I might word it. What it means to pray at all times. Taking every opportunity... In every season of life and throughout every day to regularly pray to the Lord. So we take every opportunity in every season of life, whether it's good or bad, and throughout every day to regularly pray to the Lord. So maybe it's not a minute by minute habit. Of course, you might need to focus on a task, but it should be a daily habit. It may not be in the midst of an important conversation or a, an important task, but it would certainly come before the conversation and it could certainly come after it. The idea is that your days, your weeks, your months and years are laced, bathed, with dependent prayer. It's an attribute of your life. You know, if someone could open your heart and see your natural response to every situation, whether good or bad, or your natural inclination before every, every decision in your life, would they describe you as prayerful or prayerless? I doubt anybody in this room struggles on this side of the spectrum with praying too much. <laughs> I doubt that that's really a, a struggle for you. Or, or praying so much to the neglect of other life priorities. You know what I've never heard from my wife? Honey, would you just stop praying and come pay attention to me? I've heard, I've heard other things. Would you stop watching TV or, you know, or thinking about something over here and then come pay attention to me. Or I've never heard a guy, you know, who's sat down with his boss and the boss goes, well, Johnny, I'm noticing your, your work productivity has gone way down. I'm also noticing that you keep wandering around this office praying all day and that's affecting your productivity. I've never had a guy come tell me that. 
If that's you, talk to me after the service. Because there's an appropriate time and place for prayer. I'm guessing most of us in this room don't struggle with that. We don't struggle with praying too much or at inappropriate times or in inappropriate places. But what we do struggle with is praying too little in the appropriate time and place. We could take advantage, could we not, of more opportunities throughout our day to stop, to sit before the Lord, to bask in His presence, to praise Him, to thank Him, to confess sin to Him, and ask for help. Pray at all times. Take every opportunity in every season of life and throughout every day to regularly pray to the Lord. And if you don't have that habit in your life, start it. Start it. So that's letter A, pray at all times. Letter B, pray in the Spirit. That's the next little phrase we see in verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, let's note first what it does not mean. What does it not mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, of course, it does not mean praying in the flesh. That is the opposite of praying in the Spirit. So we would not pray asking God to fulfill our fleshly desires. Lord, give me, if you're single, a smoking hot spouse. (laughs) Or Lord, give me that nice new Bentley or that McLaren F1 or whatever Tesla or whatever, you know, is on your heart and mind. Or Lord, give me a pay raise so that I can have more things for myself. That would probably be a fleshly prayer, wouldn't it? Fleshly, worldly desires. So that's not what it means to pray in the Spirit. It would certainly not mean praying rote, routine, mindless prayers. That's not praying in the Spirit. You know, you say the same thing before every meal. Lord, bless this food. Or Lord, may this food nurture our bodies. Or Lord, bless our bodies. Or Lord, bless this, bless that. Or pre-blessed food. Sometimes we pray those prayers just mindlessly, right? It's routine. Or the prayers before you go to bed. You know, Jesus warns against praying like this. He warns against praying like the Gentiles, Matthew 6, who heap up empty phrases and they think they'll be heard for their many words. How often do you pray just to, you know, throw words into the sky and to get the task over with? That would not be praying in the Spirit. And it does not mean praying to draw attention to yourself. That's not praying in the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit Himself does not draw attention to Himself. John 16, Jesus says He'll not draw attention to Himself, but He will glorify the Son. Jesus warns us against praying this way, to draw attention to yourself, to sound articulate, you know, in your prayers, for the for the uh, pleasure of others or out of a fear of man, Matthew 6, 5 says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So praying to draw attention to yourself in a group, to sound spiritual. You know, as you're praying, you're thinking of the next sentence you could say to sound, you know, like you've got everything together. 
That's not praying in the Spirit. What does it mean then to pray in the Spirit? Number one, a sub-point here, is praying with utter dependence upon Him. To pray in the Spirit is to pray in utter dependence of God. Romans 8.26 says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray for, as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When you come to prayer in the Spirit, you recognize that you're helpless and you're weak. And it is the Spirit who helps you actually say the things that make sense to God. He intercedes on your behalf. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I'll, I'll go into prayer and I'm, I just, I don't have words. Lord, I, I don't even know what to ask for right now. You know my heart though, help me. And it's in that moment that the Spirit goes, I'll help you. I know what you need to say. I know what you need. So praying in the Spirit means you're praying with utter dependence upon Him. To pray in the Spirit means that you're praying according to the will of God. In accordance with the will of God. Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. In the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. To pray in the Spirit means it's not about me and what I want, Lord, it's about what you want. To pray in the Spirit also means praying, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. We don't barge through God's office door filled with fleshly and sinful emotions, anger, irreverence, indecency, self-loathing, or accusations. Lord, why did you do this to me? No, we come before Him in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We don't come to His throne room however we want, but we're mindful of who He is and reverent in it. Lastly, I would just say praying in the Spirit means you pray listening to the guidance of the Spirit. Prayer is two-way communication. It's not just you talking to God, but often in prayer, He speaks to you. Now, I don't mean to sound too mystical here. I'm not talking about audible voices from the Lord. But there's a sense of listening to God speak when we pray. Jesus talked about the Spirit's ministry in this. He said, when the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. 1 Corinthians 2 says that it is by the Holy Spirit that we understand the mind of God through the word of God. Twice in the book of Acts, we see the apostles prompted by the Holy Spirit to go a certain way on their journey. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So what does it mean to listen to the Spirit when you pray? Number one, ask Him in your prayer to reveal to you hidden sin that you're not aware of, and He'll answer that prayer. Ask Him, number two, to reveal the truth of God's Word to your heart. It's a great practice when you pray to have the Word of God opened and to pray through the Word of God. Because it is in that act that the Word of God, Lord Spirit, Holy Spirit, speak to me through your Word and He will answer that prayer. Number three, ask Him for clarity and direction 
to guide you in the way of truth and righteousness. Especially with your big life decisions. Big conversations. in you. I, I find myself praying those last two very often in my study. Lord, I'm having a difficult time understanding your word. Please, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what your word is saying. And he answers that prayer. Right there. I find myself often praying too, Lord, I, I don't know what decision to make. A big decision is in front of me today, or a big conversation. I don't know what to say. Would you please help me? Would you guide me in the way of truth and righteousness to make the right decision? And he answers that prayer. He answers that prayer. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. And he will confirm and affirm the word of God applied to your life. And he speaks to you that way. So pray in the Spirit, Christian. Depend upon Him. Walk in Him and be led by His guidance at all times. Pray in the Spirit to be prayerfully alert. C, or thirdly, how, do I, how can we be spiritually alert or prayerfully alert? Pray with all perseverance. Pray with all perseverance. Look at the second portion of verse 18. To that end, Keeping alert with all perseverance. Perseverance is required in prayer, is it not? To be disciplined and set aside the time. To remove all distractions. To stay focused and alert in your prayer life. It requires work. It, it, it requires persistence, perseverance. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's hard work. I remember in my junior high small group, our leader presented a book for us to go through. And the book was called The Hour That Changed the World. It's by uh, Dick Eastman. And the whole premise of the book is that it, it was a practical guide so that you could pray for an hour straight. I've got to be honest, as a junior hire, I thought, that's impossible. I can't focus on one thing for an hour straight. I don't have enough things that happen in, my, in three days to pray for one hour in one day. I don't have enough things to say to God. And so i got to be honest, I was not very excited about the book, and neither were my friends. We had other distractions in life, things that we were more interested in than praying for an hour straight. You're telling me a whole hour of my day is going to be praying? And that I don't get a recess or a break? It was interesting, as we went through the book... Remarkable, really, the way that he broke up the prayer time into categories of things to pray for, practical things to pray for. Even in junior high, we found, wow, there's actually a lot that we can pray for, and it's actually, we can pray for an hour straight. It required some discipline, it required perseverance, but we found it's actually possible to pray for an hour straight. It just required some discipline and endurance. I remember going to one of my mentors this was later in life. And I told him I was frustrated with my prayer life. I just said, I'm frustrated. I feel like my prayers have just become routine. I get easily distracted. You know, my mind isn't really engaged with what I'm saying. I, you know, I start praying and I think back, what did I even say for the past minute? I felt like I wasn't really talking to God at all, but I was talking to a wall. And so I would just give up. Like after, you know, a minute or two of trying. 
uh, this isn't working, and then move on with my day. And I was just telling him, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. I'll never forget what he said to me. Incredibly profound. He said, Morgan, stay on your knees and keep praying. Don't give up. Stay on your knees. Keep praying. His point was simple. Prayer, just like any other discipline in life, is work. It requires endurance, perseverance, and persistence. It's, it's like a muscle. And for many Christians, unfortunately, it's atrophied. And so in order for you to build muscle or to gain and grow, you need to stretch it. You need to work it. You need to put it under strain. Persevere to grow in the area of prayer. Train it. Work it. Set aside time for it in your day. Don't push it off to get around to it later. Don't do the same thing with prayer that you do with your new gym membership in January. You you start for a time and then it just kind of dwindles off. Fight for it. And by the way, be prepared to fight in prayer. To fight against the laziness. To fight against the distractions. To fight against your own flesh. You know, I'll often pray within my prayer, Lord, help me right now. I am so weak and so distracted. My mind is wandering. I I need you to help me right now. Help me to endure. Guard my thoughts. Engage my mind. Help me to persevere in prayer. The disciples needed that in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we need that every day to be spiritually alert. Persevere in prayer. Fight for it and fight in it. And fight your flesh through it. Lastly, pray for the priorities. Letter D, pray for the priorities. You know, it's remarkable to see what Paul asked the Ephesians to pray for. Considering his circumstances. Where's Paul when he writes this letter? He's in prison. He's chained to a Roman guard. What would you ask the Ephesians to pray for if that was your circumstance? I know what I would ask for. To be set free. Ephesians, pray for me that I would be released from prison. I could go back and see my friends. Apostle Paul wasn't married, so... No, I want to go see the churches that I've been ministering to. I want to be encouraged by my friends. Please pray that I would be released. Does the Apostle Paul pray for that? No. What does he pray for? What does he ask the Ephesians to pray for? Look at verses 18, 19. It says, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication. Pray. Ask the Lord on our behalf for what? Number one, for all the saints. Number two, also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul prays for the priorities. What are they? Number one, the church. That small I, the church. And number two, the mission. Paul prays for the priorities, the church and the mission. He says in verse 618, making supplication for all the saints. Who are the saints? It's the church. 
He says, remember, we don't engage in spiritual warfare alone. We're not at this alone. There are no lone warriors in this fight. We stand arm in arm, side by side, with brothers and sisters in Christ. We need each other in the fight of faith. And we desperately need to pray for each other in the fight of faith. We need the prayers of others. James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Look at what Samuel says in 1 Samuel 12, 23. At the end of his life, this is what he says. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Wow. Samuel prophet, priest, judge. He took praying for others so seriously. He took this part of his job so seriously that he considered it a sin against God if he stopped praying for others. Wow. Do you take praying for others that seriously? Do you feel that same responsibility and burden to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ? So much so that you would be sinning against God if you stopped praying for them. Wow. How uh, family and self-centered are your prayers? I know for me, very self-centered. Very, you know, my immediate family-centered. And and how how much can we pray for others outside of ourselves, outside of our own little families to pray for the church family, brothers and sisters in Christ? You might think, how how can I pray, pray effectively for the church? How can I pray for others? Well, Morgan, tell me what that looks like. Other than, you know, the obvious things when they're sick or, you know, there's a hard thing they're going through. I, I can pray for them in that way. But how do I pray regularly for the saints? Very practical way to do that. Use the book of Ephesians. Use the book of Ephesians. You have two prayers from the Apostle Paul for the church. Two very, he, he, showed, he articulates his prayer. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, and in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Two prayers for the church. Now, substitute the name of the brother or sister in Christ you're praying for into those verses. Here's what it would look like. Okay, I'm going to pray for Jane, my sister in Christ. Lord, I thank you for Jane, my sister in Christ. I pray that you would grant her a spirit of wisdom. I pray that she would know the hope of her calling, the riches of her glorious inheritance, and the immeasurable greatness of your power, God, in her life. I pray that you would strengthen her through the Holy Spirit. I pray that Christ would dwell in her heart, that she would be rooted and grounded in his love. I pray that she would grow and be filled with all the fullness of God. Pray for your brothers and sisters in that way. I just prayed through Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, those two sections, those two prayers. It's a great way to regularly pray for others. Pray for the church, first priority. Secondly, pray missionally, the mission. Paul says, hey, pray also for me, 
Not that I would be released from these chains, but that words would be given to me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Paul doesn't pray that the chains would be released. He prays that he would, God would use his circumstances to continue to preach the gospel. I, mean, I love that Paul calls himself an ambassador in chains. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador goes out on behalf of you know, the king. And so the chains seems to naturally prevent Paul from being an ambassador, but Paul says, no, I'm still an ambassador even in chains. I've got this guy next to me who needs the gospel, who's chained to me. I have other prison guards that I interact with. I just love how difficult circumstances in Paul's life, it did not affect his calling. He was so crystal clear about what his mission was and would not be prevented from it. He was still an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was still a herald of the gospel despite his circumstances. He could have said he was an ambassador in chains. He could have said he was an ambassador in shipwreck. Could have said I was an ambassador in hostile territory. I was an ambassador when I was stoned. You name it, Paul went through it and yet he remained an ambassador. Even in prison, Paul was mindful of his mission. What are your circumstances, Christian? Surely it's not as bad as Paul's. Yet are you constantly mindful of the mission? What opportunities come before you every day at work, in your home, in your neighborhood, kids' activities, sporting events, that you can proclaim the mystery of the gospel, that you can fulfill the Great Commission? Notice what Paul asked for. He asked for gospel words and gospel boldness. In a parallel passage, Colossians 4, he asks for gospel opportunities and gospel clarity. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So this is helpful for us to know how we can pray missionally. Paul gives us instructions here. How do we pray missionally? What does that look like? Here are some examples. Lord, I pray that you would open doors for gospel conversations today. With my kids. With my coworkers, With that old friend from high school. With my neighbor. Or with the construction worker remodeling our kitchen. Lord, help, help open doors today for gospel conversations. Or you could pray this way. Lord, I pray that you would grant me and others the right words to say and clarity. Give us clarity in our speech. Pray that your speech would be seasoned with salt, gracious, so that you may know how to answer each person. And Lord, I pray that you would grant me and others boldness. Give me strength. Give me courage to proclaim the gospel even in the most hostile environments, even at the cost of my reputation, even at the stake of my life, that I would be bold to proclaim Christ, to be prayerfully alert. May we pray for the priorities. I wonder what the content of your prayers have been lately. I wonder if it's mostly been about food, <laughs> preparing to eat. I wonder if it's been mostly about yourself, the things that you need or want. I wonder if you've been praying more for comfort 
than the church. I wonder if you've been praying about the mission, our mission here. It's not to be comfortable. It's not to be safe, although that's good. Our mission is to make disciples. Have you been praying for that or towards that? How is your prayer life, Christian? Here are convicting questions I've asked myself. Are you praying at all times? Or sporadically and inconsistently? Are you praying in the spirit or in the flesh? Are you praying with all perseverance or with little to no effort? Easily giving up. Are you praying for the priorities? Your brothers and sisters in Christ, the brothers and sisters here at Summit Bible Church. Are you praying for the mission? Or for self-preservation, comfort, and circumstances? My hope and my prayer is that we, some of Bible Church, would be prayerfully alert. That prayer would help us to take up the whole armor of God so that we can stand in this evil day. We need it. We need it desperately. We need each other. Let me close in prayer. Father, we need you. And you know that. Holy Spirit, we need you, and you know that. Pray that you'd help us in our weakness. We, we don't know how to pray as we ought to pray. Even, you know, when we go home and apply these principles, we still need your help. We need your strength. God, I pray that you would grant that this morning through your word. That you grant not just conviction and guilt, but a resolve in all of our hearts to pray like our lives depend on it. To pray like the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ depend on it. To pray with urgency, to pray selflessly, and to pray according to your mission and your will. Help us, Lord. We want to be prayerful people. We want to be spiritually alert, especially in an evil day like today. Reorient our priorities, reorient our heart to come under yours and give us strength, Lord. We need it. In Jesus' name, amen.